Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the new media show. A little late start for us this morning. Technical difficulties, but I'm, of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenley. Good morning, Rob. How are you? Good morning, Todd. So where do we begin? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a bunch. I guess we'll get the, the big, uh, big apple out of the way, but uh, sure. big announcement by IEB. Right. We, we knew this and was you. coming. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we were we knew this was coming. We've been hinting and anyone that's been watching this show knew what we were talking about. They just really couldn't say it. So yeah, the certification announcement's out. Or actually the IEB certification to be in compliance with the podcast measurement guidelines. <laughs> that darn word compliance. Yeah. That's that's the key sticking point here. Well, right? it's really not. It, 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 they've had a compliance program. But, uh, no, it's that word. It's the usage of that word that's in contention, right? Everyone uses it. So I guess, you know, the, the, you know, the key is we'll see if they steal our little compliance banner and put it on their website and say, Hey, we're compliant too, you know, right? but, uh, the certification is done in for at least four others, including Spreaker Box Nest is, uh, in the bullpen, right? Yeah, we are uh, working our way through it. As you know, it's it's uh, it's it's definitely a um, a prod. That's all I could say. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, it is a prod. All right, and and I, I liked Libsyn had posted something. As you know, lot, Rob was nice when he said it took a couple of months. It took five months, but we were we were the guinea pigs too. Yeah, so. you were. It should it shouldn't take that long uh, for others. I'm hope, yeah. uh, not to say that I hope it does. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I I need a little runway here. I need a. Well, that's that's right. That's right. You need a little bit of distance between uh, first and second. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't help. I'm losing two weeks from the holidays. I'm like crap. <laughs> but uh, it's okay. It's uh, um, the the response has been um curious in that. The reporters that I'm talking to, Wall Street Journal, talk to Ed Week, a number of folks, they they all want to know what this meant, you know, what this what this does. And you know, I went through the the history of how we, you know, where we where we started and where we've ended up and um and I think that uh they are and relatively positive about it. Uh, the news seemed to be relatively positive across the board. Although we got a couple of things to talk about, about some, you know, you and I both listened to a show where some people obviously yet do not get it, but that's a whole another topic. But I think that um, from our perspective, the response has been good. And not only that, we've had uh, our partners have been, very, they're getting ready to come out with their own announcements at the new year. It just was too close to the holidays. And then uh, we've gotten response from some very, very, very big names in New York. Um, not podcast related, but on the buy side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, everybody's <clears throat> asking for, for you know, to work with a platform that's supportive of this, I think. I mean, that's the direction that um, I'm seeing every indication point to is that this is going to be a significant um, improvement to the perception of the medium with yeah. the, the advertising buyers. Yeah. So, you know, we're lining those meetings up and I think we're, 
we're going to be hot and heavy in their offices uh, within, you know, like 6th or 7th of January. So it's, you know, we're going to be mm-hmm. uh, turning and burning. I'm going to be in Vegas. I've got a point man that's in, going to be leading the charge in New York, and then I'm going to be joining him. So it's, uh, you know, we've got a lot, a lot of ground and well, not just New York, every city, you know, every city that has a, yeah. a media buyer. So, you know, I, it's, it is, and we're just going to go in and explain this, you know, that's the main thing. But I do want to say too, is, um, it's really not an olive branch because we're not at war with anybody, but I just want to extend an invitation to those companies that may not have a pathway to certification uh, right. we're I think you know lives in and what you guys are doing and the other players that aside we're in a unique position where our platform's really platform agnostic so if someone's looking to get certified and wants to be certified we can get them there networks too so right. so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting time to watch mm-hmm. um what yeah, was your perspective? Go ahead. Well, yeah, I think it's, I mean, I mean, of course, you know, anybody that's been listening to this show over the last six months knows how significant this is to, to the overall kind of pathway and, and runway of the perception of this, this, this relatively new medium. Uh, and it's, it's going to change how, uh, it's going to change the relationships that we have with our content creators and it's going to change the relationships that we have with the, with the, the, the ad buying side. And I do also think that it's going to, um, have the potential of through building confidence. Um, it's, it's going to expand the confidence to, uh, lower levels of, you know, of advertising buyers, not so much just the biggest agencies or the biggest brands. I think it over time, it's going to even extend down to smaller local companies. Um, as the listener side of this medium grows, um, and larger numbers in local markets, it, it's going to bring an opportunity for local brands, um, to get involved in this medium at a higher level, not unlike what radio has tapped into over the years. Uh, I think the opportunity with the dynamic ad insertion technology basically opens some doors, but as you know, Todd, and most people listening to this know, we've got a lot of work to do on that side. Um, so, so anyway, I think it's it's the most significant thing that's happened to this medium. I don't know since I can't even think of the the last one that that was more significant. You know, I, and I also the question I was asked numerous times during <clears throat> interviews was. What does this mean for business of people that are in the, that are doing podcast advertising? And I was like, well, I said, wow. I said there's going to be a few people that are going to have some pain points, right? You know, there's going to be some pain. And I said, but I, you know, I tried to follow that up with, I'm like, okay, you know, let's let's think about this scenario. I right. said, uh, and and I just I, I broke it down in you know as, as layman terms as I could to the reporters because not all of them are involved in ad buys. And I said, if, mm-hmm. you know, if you've been paying uh, $10,000 for a, uh, an ad campaign and you've been overpaying for that ad came, campaign by $2,500, right. but yet you were still happy with the performance of the campaign and were renewing contracts and putting IOs in front of mm-hmm. these same companies, 
I said, that means that the space is worth at least 25% more. Right. So it, it, it should reason. Yeah, on an, yeah, on an ROI or return on investment. Right. right. So I said, it should reason that if CPMs were 20, CPM should go to 25 and media buyers are going to be getting the same, same results. So I said, right. there should be no loss in revenue. Um, for the, you know, or uh, ROI for the advertisers. And there is going to be, it should be good for the podcasters. It should, you know, increased. Well, you'll be even, you'll be even money. Right. Now, you know, she says, well, how does that affect your ad campaigns? I said, it doesn't. I said, we're on the same code, essentially, that we have been since 2013, uh, with a minor, few minor tweaks here and there with, you know, it's just nothing major. It's been on the, and I said, it, there's no effect. I said, our campaigns are deliver will continue to deliver consistently where they were at. And there is no adjustment. I said, but I can't say that's going to be the case for everyone. Right. Now, and you know, I don't know. Did you read the report? If, if anyone hasn't read the report, I'll put the, I'll put NPR's report and our report in the show notes today. But, it, it's not something you want to read while you're laying in bed because it may put you to sleep. But did you read the actual, and it's, it's an abridged, it's a, well, readers digest version. They remove all the intellectual property from the report that, because it has a lot, those reports are much more detailed, but they have a lot of stuff in there that I don't want you <laughs> or Podtrack or Libsyn to know, <laughs> you know, and likely when you get your report, you're not going to want, us or want me to know some of the stuff that's in your report either sure sure yeah i mean i think what we're doing is walking a fine line right between kind of some proprietary stuff and stuff that we're all on the same page with right well well, you know i guess yeah proprietary what i mean by that is we you know we we know a few things that can affect download numbers (laughs) and if someone hasn't put those you know, and I'll, I'll be honest, Angelo, if he had not, I mean, I remember the conversation about four or five years ago. He said, do you think we should do this? And I'm like, is, is it necessary? And he said, well, maybe down the road. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that saved our butts for the redirect customers. You know, if we hadn't implemented something, you know, five years ago. <laughs> You know, we'd have been like, oh, the redirect customers aren't going to get certified. So. Hey, Todd, I have a question for you that I, I was posed this question earlier this week by a, by another platform, right? In the space. Uh, Do you know, can a platform be certified uh, compliant if they are not an IEB member? Don't know. I don't know. No, I don't. Is there a pathway to that? I don't know. I yeah. that's something to reach out to the IEB Tech Lab, right? And yes. and ask if they can. Um, <laughs> I don't even want to consider what that check's going to be. Be it's going to well, be well. Well, I mean, you're still going to have to pay for the certification, right? Process. But what I'm is just curious if 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 you don't have to pay the IEB part of that. I would every almost, year in, I, in order to be certified. My, you know, if, if I was at IEB, I'd say you have to be part of the IEB. 
to be right. become compliant. I, if I was right. IAB, that's what I would say. And then if not, they would probably write the cost up on the certification high enough that it would make sense to be an IAB member, you know, okay. so. Sure, sure. I just don't think that that question has been addressed that I'm aware of. And, I don't think so. But I know I that, that that's come up here already. So. Well, I know that IAB is reaching out to every company that is saying that they're compliant. And they're asking them to become certified. They're saying they're basically asking every one of those that are have they're putting compliant on their websites. Okay, let's. Uh, you're saying you're compliant now. Uh, let's go. So, right. I mean, because I want everybody to be compliant. I know. I mean, I mean honestly, I it, think that's what's best for the medium. But, it, but Rob, like, yeah, I don't think. Okay. Maybe be gentle. I know. How many people you got working on this? I don't, um, I'm not sure. You know, I think it's a project off and on for a few of our developers okay. and other ones. It's, it's a regular thing. So it's not a huge amount. Okay. So what do you, what do you think? How many total hours you think you've put in so far? Uh, I couldn't even guess. A couple hundred. Honestly. I'm not sure. Okay. I would just be guessing if I All said. right. So I'll say that we had two people um, on and off dedicated on this for a couple hundred hours. And sure. It, it, yeah. it, it took, makes sense. Yeah. And it, we spent a week in the code, just a week, a week in the code. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I guess maybe some, depending on how robust your platform is, you may not need a week in the code. But, right. you know, we spent a week line by line in the code, you mm-hmm. know, 40 hours mine. Well, not 40, maybe like in like five, four or five hour sessions. So right. still a significant investment in time. Number one. Right. And number two. It, oh, this is uh, I think I think we get to do it the first round. I think we're good for two, two years. I'm not even sure if we could have to be do this again next year. But uh, I'm sure year two won't be as invasive, but the, but the, you know, here's, you know, here's the, the challenge that you're going to have is it's, it's not only just the writing the check, which is significant, mm-hmm. which I think, and this is why I said, I extended this olive branch or this invitation. Um, you know, we're, we're, we know that some companies will not have a, no way to do this. Just no right. way. Right. And some networks, maybe um, they need to look at where they're at. You know, and, and again, platform agnostic, you don't have to change where you're hosting at. In large part. Now, Anchor folks, you guys are screwed. You, they've got their own thing. You're going to have to ask Anchor to support third-party stats. But everywhere else, um, I think we can integrate with. But I, I, it, I know what the check was, and I got a discount because I was first. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. so ouch, ouch. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, I want everybody to be on board with this because, yeah. because if there's companies out there that are, that aren't, um, then that just creates confusion in the ad market. Yeah. You know, and that's what we're trying to avoid by this whole thing. I mean, that's the goal of this whole thing is to get everybody on the same page so we can all compete on content. Not, yeah. Not on, you know, stats, mm-hmm. right? Let's take the stats off the table as, as a differentiator around business models. Right. 
because that's kind of what's been going on. So, you know, I, I think here is something to think about, too, is that um, I'm awful hot today. I'm sorry if I'm blowing everyone out. The um, lost my train of thought. Oh, so the, the, the follow up questions I was asked is the rad component came up. Mm, yeah. You got a cell phone near your mic? Okay. That's it's better. further away now. Okay. So <laughs> the, uh, you know, so I, you know, so, so, you know, the question we got, well, we see you guys signed off on rad. So when are you guys going to be ready? I said, well, I said, be, being ready to uh, ingest rad data is, is very simple. I said, uh, this is just a matter of putting a little uh, programmer time to it and being ready to take the data. I said, but there's no data to be ingested. And I get this silence on the other end. What do you mean? I'm like, well, the only app that has RAD in it is the NPR1 app. Silence on the other end. And well, what do you mean? I'm like, it means that all these other app developers have to, it. are not yeah. supporting it yet. <laughs> and in uh, Overcast and in NPR's own app, PocketCast, I noticed there was an article out on that where the yeah. NPR folks hedged a little bit. Right. I said, well, it might be coming. Well, <laughs> the, the podcast team has said, no, it's not. So I said, and, and I explained to her if Apple and Google doesn't get on board. And we've had this conversation on the show already, but I'm trying to explain this to the reporter. And they're like, ah, she says, so this is. A, now they're getting it. She's like, she goes, <laughs> right. so this is a, this client site stuff is a lot of nothing. And I said. You said it, not me. Right. And I said, we're ready to support it when there's data, but there's no data. An NPR one app is a very limited on the number of shows that are right. on it. And it's mainly NPR shows. Right. And this is an NPR initiative. And then, you know, again, we, we're, we'll support rad. We'll take the data. <laughs> okay. But let's, who, who's going to be the first app developer to say I'm implementing it, and then what kind of blowback are they going to get? Yeah, I know that it was a little bit of a a, a, a discussion point around RAD and privacy. You know, it, it, it kind of came up. Some I people think, think of, there's no issue. I, I'm not convinced. Right. I mean, this really puts the ball in National Public Radio's court to to prove that it is not a violation. I, I believe if they're going to take the leadership well, position, it's on not this, necessarily a violation. You just have to, you have, well, I mean, it, it poses a potential violation is what the concern is. Uh, right? No, it, 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 no? it, 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 it poses a terms and conditions acceptance on each app developer. You can right. collect data. Right. You just have to ask permission. Sure. And as James made, um, made it very obvious in his article that he put up is maybe the app developers aren't even GDPR compliant on their own or, you know, right now in whatever data they're logging, you know, and, you know, I, I, I was set back three months this year because of GDPR. I, I, I've got, I've got projects that are going to deliver in April because of GDPR. I had to push stuff to the right, you know? So, you know, it hurt us. It hurt us bad on a dev timeline. <clears throat> so I mean, it's it's addressable, but you, it's just a matter of asking permission. 
I mean, and the bigger question is, do we want this data? At the end of the day, do we want this kind of data? Does I mean, it help move the medium forward is the bigger discussion. Well, as a, as a stats g- junkie, I'd love to have the data, but I understand right. the ramifications of it. Right. But you think if <laughs> uh, media buyers, if you're listening, uh, close your ears. Um, well, just be careful what you wish for. Well, but Todd, isn't that concern a little bit off the table based on what we've seen in uh, well, with Apple, the Apple Podcast? Apple it data? is, it is, right. it is. But no one's convinced, you know, and he continues the story. You know, somebody, uh, and I'm not going to mention her name, was like completely still bashing the download and server-side oh, data yeah. and right. making these comments that just, you know, infuriated me in the lack of knowledge and giddiness on rad is a second coming. Well, it might be the second coming, but it's going to be two or three years before we have any meaningful data. I, I believe that. Have you seen any app developers announce we're supporting rad? Nope. Not really. Mm-mm. Well, you read uh, implementation on web players is going to be pretty easy. <laughs> Maybe that's where it's going. Where we're going to get data. I mean, it's going to start out small, which means it's not going to be a representative of right. the of the entire space. It's it's going to take more than two years, Todd, for this to get rolled out. So, if there's any real comprehensive data coming out of anything like this, so. So, you know, and and Mike says in chat, he says hobby podcasters, they could give a crap about rad data. Well, I will, I will contend no, because what, what rad's really going to do is along with the Apple podcast data, it's going to tell you what your audience is doing in your show. You know, if you have, if you have a segmented show, this show is not segmented. This show is just talk and we go. And when people get bored, they leave. Um, (laughs) Well, it's true. If we bore them, they leave, right? So it's it's segmented. Some shows are very segmented. And they, they and you know, like my Geek New Central show, it's segmented. At least the first 15 minutes has multiple right. segments. And then it yeah. has the content and it has an ending. And I can watch, at least in Apple Podcasts, I can see that those last two minutes of the show, people are punching out. <laughs> right. You know, but they're there the other, you know, 58 minutes or whatever it is of the show that time but those last two minutes they're, they're leaving in droves so you know you have to put teasers in the beginning to keep them to listen all the way to the end or you know vice whatever you're trying to do you can use that rad data to right. but that but you can see that now in apple podcast you can see yeah. what's happening with your show right yeah it's not just about giving visibility to playback of downloading no files. it's i mean that's part of it because I would put um, rad markers at every spot. I put rad markers at intro. I would put rad markers on, you know, I'd put boom, boom, boom. There would be certain segments of rad markers that would be in my show that I would tell when I hit transitions, do people either scrub ahead and, and come in or do they, or, mm-hmm. you know, what data am I getting? And, I, and, and you know, if we're going to do the rad protocol, it needs to be more robust. There needs to be more, more stuff in it. <laughs> right. But they have, you know, they're trying to keep it simple. But if you're going to implement it, let's go for the full Monty and you know, let's get all of it. <laughs> right. 
But if the best case scenario, Todd, is that we're only going to get a sample of this mm. data because people aren't going to opt in. Builds a story. It builds then, I mean, it does build a story and it does give you a snapshot of what's going on. It may not be 100% complete. Right. But it does give you, just like what Podcast Connect is giving us right. uh, from Apple, it's just a snapshot. It's like, you know, I hate to use the analogy, but it's it's like a survey sample. I and, mean, that's kind of what you're doing there. And I don't want to beat a dead horse here because we've talked about this a lot, but I, I, right. I think, you know, the... I mean, the crux of the story was the reporters were asking, but and, you know, I have to admit, I, I thought when I saw that rad uh, press release come out a week and a half ago, I was like, mm-hmm, because they knew the IEB stuff was coming on Thursday, which IEB pushed until the following Tuesday, which right. may have helped divert some of the attention. But I thought two, they came out with their rad announcement on Tuesday. The 90s that was coming on Thursday. Was that just a little underhand slip to like, let's get that out there in the news and uh, revigorate the news cycle so that the IB stuff won't be as prominent? I don't know. I'm just like conspiracy theorists. So. I, I think it was tapping into heightened, Yeah, you know, kind of kind of awareness of these type of metrics in the space. I mean, it, it definitely makes sense that they, they would have pushed it out at that time. But here's the deal. For, every, for all of you, server-side data is the king. Download is the king. It will continue to be king for a long time coming. <laughs> the download's not going anywhere. No, no, no. Even though many would like it to go <clears throat> away. But I think it's one of those things that they don't really know what they're wishing for. Because if, if, if it were to go away, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think that they would like the the impact of that. So so what uh, was your, and we've been invited, was it Rob, you or Rob, <laughs> Rob Walsh was invited to, to do an interview with some Rob and me, and me have been in, in, uh, invited to do an interview on January 2nd. Was that you? Mm, it must be sure. it must be Rob Walsh. It's in response yeah. to that that podcast that we heard where they were talking about stats. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm croaking on everyone here. <laughs> okay, I need a I need a a, a mute button. Never had one here. The right. uh, so it, it just you know I I think what it is is we have uh and because there's so many measurement platforms out there now. Uh, you know, how many do you think there is? I don't even know. You know, it's 20 at this point, stat systems out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, at least that many. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of new podcast hosting startup companies that are out there that's been popping up over the last year yep. that are doing doing their own measurement, too. And I, I don't know how these companies, are, some of these companies are going to be able to, like a, you know. I actually get into this IEB thing. So. I, like I said, I don't. I think it'll be a stretch for some, but you know, I've got the gateway to get them there if they if they want to work with us. That's the problem too. Is you know why would we work with Blueberry for stats? Because then we may lose customers to Blueberry, and I understand the dynamic. Um. Right. So some will, some won't, and. But it's, you know, the opportunities there if someone wants to work with us. You know, I, my, my, my point of view is it's hard. 
<laughs> I spent a lot. Of, we spent a lot of time in this stuff every, you know, every week. I look at my manpower hours going to to stats and it, it's a it's an it's an active job for our devs, you know, right? because, you know, weirdness happens. We're dealing with a, a little iOS issue right now. And, uh, you know, just some weirdness, you know, it's just, it's just things pop up and the apps get an update and they do something, they do something weird and you're like, well, and you have to go through and test an AB and you got to figure mm -hmm. out what's going on. And then when you figure it out, then you got to go back and rerun the log files to make adjustments. And, and meanwhile, podcasters are saying, how come this number's low? And you're like, well, we're, we're looking at it. We're trying to figure it out. And then you ask Apple and, or someone in there, they don't want to say anything, <laughs> you know? So we have to, uh, I guess, reverse engineer stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. Hey Todd, one of the other things that came up this week and it's kind of, you know, a lot of these things, unfortunately that we talk about in the show are reoccurring themes. Um, but one of the other ones that came up was kind of this, uh, there's a new platform that's entered the, <sighs> the U S market, um, that's coming out of China. Right. Yep. And so you have this, well, they're not the first. No, I know. I know. I realize that, but they are the unique one at this point and claiming that they're coming out of China out of a $7 billion <sighs> podcast market. Um, and claiming that they're going to bring that to the U S and they're going to make a massive, business here in the U S um, but they are using the term podcast, uh, and it, it, it's like a kind of a reoccurring thing that happens, um, that this, uh, it's almost like a confusion between what a podcast is and what paid content is. Right. Um, and, and I just want to, you know, clarify a little bit because there's, there's this perception out there that uh, podcasting is 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 podcasting a reference to content or is it a reference to a distribution medium? And I know this has been an ongoing question for a long time, um, but if we're going to kind of – is podcasting, Todd, and I'll just throw it out to you, is podcasting a form of content? And if it is – then, then how it's monetized, how it's distributed, how it's looked at um, from a revenue perspective uh, is basically open, right? It can be whatever anybody wants. But if we look at podcasting as a very specific type of distribution medium, um, then that that narrows it down, right? Right. right. So a a market like what's happening in China, you know, where people are buying educational content. Uh, through proprietary platforms, um, um, that's not a podcast. It's not based on our open RSS, right? But if we view podcasting as just you know unique digital audio that's distributed, however, right? Then I guess you know we can we can include that as what a podcast is. But I don't know. I what's your thoughts, Todd, on that? Well, fundamentally, podcasting has always been the Media delivered via an RSS feed, syndicated, right. not distributed, syndicated through a, you know, through an enclosure in an RSS feed. Now, that can include premium podcasts that are delivered via an RSS feed through a subscription system. 
as long as there is a right a platform which you can subscribe to that is either a again you're subscribing to a feed that is feeding right. you media right now i guess but i'm old school i'm i'm, I'm a purist so this other company is saying that you can uh, put your media, I'm assuming, I'm just guessing here because I haven't seen the full details of what you're, you're referring to, but they're saying that, if, hey, put your content on this platform, uh, monetize it, make people pay for it. People can come to our platform, subscribe to it, and get it to an, to it, get to it in an audible fashion. Is that what they're promoting? Well, it isn't so much that of what they're doing here. It's just this, um, this kind of convergence, right. Of these two, um, type of methods of, of monetizing and distributing audio content. Right. And how, you know, how do we want to look at this medium? So let's say, you know, you know, we look at China, which is a very you know unique market for a lot of reasons, um, uh, and say, um, okay, they built a seven billion dollar. Not granted, there's a lot more people there, but right. they built a seven billion dollar uh, market for content. Right? Uh, is that possible in the U.S.? Is that possible in Europe? Is that possible to build that um, scale of of um, kind of you know an you know an economy right around this medium that doesn't exist today? Right? Yeah. We're a you know, we're maybe a couple hundred million dollar industry right now. No one's, no one's going to pay right. for the majority right. of content out there. Yeah. But what this company is doing is they're coming to the U S and they're, they're taking more of a podcast model, right? Where they're, they're, um, offering free hosting and they're offering, um, to pay podcasters, um, you know, like guaranteed money up front, Oh, t uh, I, oh, the ten to forty thousand right, dollars up right, front, right? Yeah. Right, and then offering all this, you know, support and and really, really high rev share percentages along with that, um, and just throwing money at the market, um, trying to capture audience really, really fast. <clears throat> Rob, if they want to pay me forty grand up front, write me a check for forty thousand dollars today. I'll put my Geek New Central show over there. They can they can uh, distribute it and give me some support. Sure, write me a check, forty k. But I'm I'm still I'm not going to be exclusive. <laughs> I mean that might be great, Todd. But it, it, I mean, is that that's very destructive to if, this if medium? They're, if they're stupid enough to write me a check for forty thousand dollars, you're going to do it. Okay, but Todd, <laughs> we're encouraging people to go down the path of. Of, of of greed versus building something that's Rob. This country was right. built on greed. I okay, fair <laughs> enough. You know, okay, but it, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna recommend that people go over and do that, right? <laughs> well, what are you signing? You don't get something for nothing. If there's I know, if but there's that's, a, if that, that's my whole point. You right? know, if, if they're if they're if they're willing to give me forty thousand dollars, and well, you better be a damn big show, right? Well, I don't care. They're claiming they're going to give you ten to forty thousand dollars, so give me ten to forty thousand dollars cash, and uh, and then um, and all I have to do is mention their app. 
I don't know. You got to think about it from most podcaster standpoint. Someone comes around and says, I'm going to give you, hey, 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 hey. Well, and give you, and $100 CPMs too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, for, you want to give me 40 grand? Some Most podcasters would say, yep. But okay, but forty thousand dollars times like it's pretty pretty expensive. You know how do you scale that? You know you better have a lot of forty thousand dollars. You know that. that's 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 a lot of money. So even you know even just to monetize, if you think about it, just to monetize uh, a thousand shows. If I'm doing my high school math here, that's forty million dollars just to do a thousand shows. Hey, that's a drop in the bucket, Todd. With what they got, what they said they have seven billion dollars. That's how much money they've got. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> based on based on what I've heard. Is that uh, that's what they're claiming, right? That's what this company claims that they've built or they've been involved in building this huge market, but. I believe that the Andreessen uh, an investment firm out of Silicon Valley has come out and said, it's, hey, it's really more like $3 billion. So there's some sort of inflation going on here. But uh, If they have $3 billion, they can buy the entire podcasting space. I know. It's, well, that's, that's kind of my bigger point here. They can come in. we've come to. They can come in and say, Todd, here, here is $50 million. And I'm like, sold. <laughs> Well, you know, if someone comes with a big enough check, any business you build is built to sell, right? Right. If someone comes in and, and, and has you know, a, a big fat checkbook, and and, and again, I'm not going to. This medium I'm isn't not, really for sale. I'm I not going to throw yeah. the podcasters to the curve, okay? But <laughs> but if someone comes and offers me a huge check and it has conditions that doesn't isn't going yeah. to affect our independent podcasters, you right. know. I'm a businessman as well as a podcaster. <laughs> right. But, you know, I'm, I'm being really, you know, a little bit over the top here, but with that yeah. kind of money. Okay. So if they came and gave me 50 billion, 50 million, let's, let's just, okay. Tw let's say, what is there? 20 podcasting companies, 25. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. So let's say they give us each 50 million. They probably couldn't buy mid roll for 50. But, um, uh, yeah. so, you know, let's just say, you know, round it to 50, 50 million, you know, it's still, you know, they got, they got plenty of money left over, you know, plenty of money to spare. <laughs> 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 so when people start throwing those types of numbers, I'm just roll my eyes and I think it's a big, it's a big bullshit play is what it is. And people that obviously do not know the space, you know. But, you know, if someone's going to come, you know, it's like that guy that comes to Vegas and he walks up to the craps table and he's got a big wad, you know, of money. He, he, of course, you don't know if he's really got money or if he's emptied his life savings out of his savings account to be there for the big role. Right. You just don't know. Right. So anyway, that's <laughs> that that was something that popped up this week. Um, it's been bubbling for a while now, but uh, yeah, it, it, you know, do we want to include Audible as as a podcasting platform? That I guess at the end of the day, that's the question. You know, Audible's been they, bubbling around the podcasting space for I don't know how many years. Yeah. 
And it's it, it kind of begs the question, right? Um, from an economic standpoint, how big of a market do we want to build? I don't I don't personally think that people in the U.S. are going to be as inclined to uh, buy content like they do in China. No. Um, and I don't think why, you, why I, should they? And right? I don't think the way this space has grown up, I don't think there's any way someone can come in and just buy the space. People are very resistant no. to that kind of right. activity. Right. And they come yeah. in with some outlandish numbers. I'm like, you know, we're going to give you 10 to 40 K and we're going to give you 80% of ad revenue. Oh, you know, Hey, I mean, it doesn't quite pass the sniff test, right? It doesn't really, you know, it, it's just going to make most people just shake their head going. It's too good to believe. Right. Right. And if they do, we'll see it moving very, very quickly with that type of money. There should be deals closing left and right. You would think so. Yeah. Right? Yep. And there should be people flocking to that platform. Anybody else got a, a, you know, anyone, I'd love to hear from you. <coughs> if you've got one of these uh, emails where uh, this company's trying to buy audience and podcasters. Right. And I guess at the end of the day, that's kind of what it, what it is. You can't make audience members. You can't force audience members to move to another platform. <laughs> Whatever. Go ahead and try. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, there's this company called right. Apple that may go SWAT. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, Todd, have you gotten your your ticket to go to the iHeart uh, Radio Podcast Awards? The what? The iHeartRadio Podcast Awards. Have you gotten your ticket? No, I didn't get a ticket. I didn't get an invite. I didn't get a contact. You, you would think that the uh, owner of the original Podcast Awards would have at least been given a gratis ticket and an invitation to come. You would have thought. Yeah. Did you? Did you get your ticket? No. Oh. I can't go. I, I, I literally can't go. I would actually love to go. Is anybody in the go. audience? Is anybody go, in the audience going? Or is I can't it just go because I have to set up my booth for PodCon oh. the same day? Oh, are, are any of you actually going to this iHeart event? Have you been, you know, asked to attend and dress up in a tuxedo and watch them self-propanicate uh, shows within their own ecosphere? I'm being really. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Todd Bah Humbug. <laughs> Someone asked me the other day, what's your favorite movie? I said, right now, The Scrooge. No, I just, <laughs> just <The kidding>. Grinch. <laughs> it's largely because of what's going on with my house. I'm in a matter of, in the middle of a major reconstruction Remodel. zone. Right. I know. You I've know. seen your, your posts on Facebook. Yeah, my yeah. furniture's back in the house, and today I have to finish the bathroom. It's vanity has got the backsplash and the water hooked up in the, in this, in the drain and God forbidding anything else. I'll be finished by about four o'clock this afternoon. Good. And I'll have smoke a stogie and drink a, a little bit of a single malt out on the back porch <laughs> as my kids are cleaning up the mess in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. Todd, I, I really dislike kind of, kind of being, being negative about that. The whole iHeartRadio podcast awards. Yeah, thing, it's you know, okay. I, I they mean, do, they I mean, can, it's, it, they can yeah. do their thing. More more promotion right. to the space is good. We we tease them. No, but it is. No, it, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's all good. And yeah. you know, I would 
I would love to see that be a big success. And, and because I do think that it's going to raise awareness for the medium and, yeah. but you know, I, I guess we just don't necessarily like how it was deployed and, yeah. and yeah. So, so I want to talk about a subject that, um, has been making the rounds a little bit. Okay. So remember when uh, Apple kicked Alex Jones off and I, I said, uh, you know, we all understood why they did that, but I said, um, you know, that's, you know, I'm a big advocate of free speech, whether, um, whether I like it or not. And obviously he had done some stuff in his show that, uh, you know, invoke, you know, violence or whatever the reason was long story short, he, uh, he got bounced. Well, the folks over at, um, Patreon, are are basically booting some of their some of their Patreon customers because of their content, right? And um, I, I'm uh, this this uh, when you start and again I don't know the content that they they but it looked like anything that was ultra conservative got bounced. Um, so I, it, it makes me wonder here, you know, and, and I go back to something I have said since the beginning of this podcasting space. If you are beholden to a third party for revenue, for, um, and have no other, you know, if you are dependent upon someone to that extent where if they pull the plug on you and you are, it puts you out of business, maybe it's time to relook your, relook your stack. In the podcasting space, there's plenty of hosting customer, custom, companies. People can leave me and go to you. They can go to, you know, they can go to one of a dozen different companies and host media. There's, there's options. There has been no other options for Patreon to this point. There might be one other platform, but, I, I still to this day do not understand why content creators do not put a PayPal link on their website. It's easy to set up subscription buttons, run your own program. If you're big enough to get people to subscribe to your show, why give Patreon a cut? Yeah, they got some cool tools, but you can do that yourself. So I, I get real weird when companies start picking and choosing who they're going to do business with. Yeah, it's happening all over the place though, Todd, you know, especially with some of these shows that are, that are kind of, okay. So if you're, if they're you, violating terms of service, okay. That it, is, is clearly on, on those platforms. If, if right. you are not invoking hate speech, threat well, or violence. If you are, then you know what? They have every right to shut those shows down. Well, that's exactly what these, these shows are being claimed as, as doing. Right. Oh. Well, it's, it's based on hate speech. Okay. That's that, what, yeah. Okay. So then they removed a whole bunch of shows. Then where are these shows on our platforms? What's the names of them? I'd like to go review them to see if they're actually, you know, here's, well, I would personally like to go review them um, right. or listen to them. I shouldn't say review because I, I got to be careful there. 
right. and listen to them, subscribe to them on my own as a person, as me, as Todd, not as a company. Um, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I'm, uh, it, if, if they're saying hate speech, then fine. Or if they're threatening violence, then I'm, I'm all behind Patreon's, uh, decision here. But that is not the claim that's being made. That's not what's being said in the interwebs. It's just ultra conservative content. Well, you know, it's linked up with far right creators, right? And, but what Patreon is claiming is that these far right creators are, are purveyors of hate speech. Right? Okay. Purveyors what's, of, but are they saying it? Are they well, actually, sure. if they are, then I'm, I'm okay right. with Patreon's move. Right. See, it just gets back to what these platforms uh, put in their terms of service as what is perceived to be protecting their customers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Right? That's that's the idea behind it, right? Yeah. I mean, a, a platform has a right to protect itself. Sure, sure. But if, if from, someone if someone is not if someone is not invoking hate speech, and I'm just right. saying this, if they're right. not, they should be allowed to say what they want to say. Oh no, I agree with that. Sure. And, you know, that line can be a little hard to get, you know, really clear too. I mean, I, I think a lot of platforms get criticized because they're not very specific about what was specifically said. Right? Last time I checked, Milo has not been accused of invoking hate speech. And he was one of the ones that was removed. Uh, I think he's had, I think he has a history of doing that kind of stuff though. Well, he's been very, I, okay, if he's actually said hate or violence, that's one thing. But, uh, okay, I don't know this guy's, you know, you would think he would yeah. be off YouTube if he was. Um, well, some of these guys that uh, Patreon's booting off are, are, are YouTubers. Right. They're YouTubers. So YouTube's apparently okay with their content. So... Okay, I, I I'm just I'm thinking here that oh, right. I'm, what I'm just here's my point. It's a very slippery slope. If someone is outright saying I'm going to right. kill you, or we should do this to a certain class of of people, you know, invoking hate speech is obviously not not cool. Right. But if you're just it's expressing opinion and not actually invoking hate speech, I think it's a thin line. I'm not defending these folks. I'm just saying from a free speech advocate, it's there's a fine line here. Yeah. Well, it, it does look like um, there are people that are posting to um, Patreon has like a blog, I guess, mm-hmm. and they post very specific, um, things that were said on these shows. So you like a set, like the exact context of what they said. It's right. Right. It's actually quoted. And if they've done that, then that's cool. If they've outlined exactly what they've gotten bounced for, that's fine. But here's the bigger, bigger picture. Okay, right. Patreon can do what they want to do. But my point is, if you're going to be a creator and creating content, control your brand, control your process, control the money that's coming into your show, 
And it's not to say that PayPal won't demonetize folks either because they've done that or, or canceled accounts because that can happen too. But um, I don't know. I'm just still, I'm, I'm on this bandwagon of, you know, protect your brand, protect your stuff. Yeah. And, you know, 99.9% .9 of podcasts out there are never ever going to have an issue. Right. No, agreed. Most don't. So, Todd, uh, what, one thing I want to talk to you about, too, is that this is the time of the year for um, <clears throat> 2019 predictions and uh, uh, 2018 retrospectives um, all over the place. Are you getting a lot of asks for uh, contributions to that? I have not. So I guess really? I'm, I'm on the outs. Uh-oh. <laughs> and be well, honest with you, Rob, I've been so focused around the stuff with the IEPA, I've had hardly time to breathe. <laughs> right. But it does seem like there's there's um, lots of this stuff coming out right now talking about what what people are seeing as the trend lines for 2019. And uh, some of it is kind of, you know, you kind of read through it and, and it's almost like it's an echo chamber, right? Um, there's nobody really thinking that far out of the box. Um, it's almost like we people read what other people say and then they start parroting what other people say. And, and I don't know that we're getting a lot of original thinking going on here, um, about what's, what is potential in the next year and what is <clears throat> going to actually happen. So I don't know if we want to go down this rabbit hole at some point, maybe in our, you know, our next episode or something like that, if we do want to talk about what we think is going to happen in the next year, or do you think it's a, even a relevant conversation? Well, considering my travel schedule, let me look here. What is today's date? Today's the 22nd. <laughs> I'm looking at the wrong year. Let me back up. Um, so next week, this time, Rob, I'm going to be holding my first grandchild. So I will try to do a show remotely. <laughs> Do you know that for sure? Right? They're they're inducing her, so I can. You know, I tried to play that game last summer with my daughter too. Right. Well, you know, I tried I'm, to time it on my air flight to fly down to get there just before yeah, she gave birth. And yeah. I missed so it by two hours, I've been asking her some medically <laughs> some medical questions uh, involving dilation and. Uh, uh, you know, she's having contractions and where we're at in this process and, uh, baby is due anytime. So they're going to induce her on the 26th. So, but they said they may shift the inducement to the 28th. So if that's the case, then I'm going to be, uh, hot and heavy. So we'll, we'll plan on a show for the 29th. Uh, I'll sneak an hour in, but I think we can talk about it now because after that, I'm, my schedule screwed for a couple of weeks, but. I think that um, the we'll see what happens with certification. We'll see if the if if media buyers actually do start clamping down on where they spend their money based upon certification. I doubt it. I have heard this rumor that they want to. Um, I think they're going to continue to spend money no matter what, if um, depending on on the platform. But I think it's a lot of questions are going to be asked of those platforms on where you're at, why you're not. Um, I think it's going to be a big deal, especially for some of those that have been notoriously for being over reporters. 
I think the space is, uh, as we continue to see, uh, continue to grow, I think there's going to be continued disruption. I think there's going to be people trying to push into the space and do uh, disruptive things. So they're not disruptive, but trying to break the business model, the traditional business model. Right. Um, and that just happens within any industry, just makes us all work harder. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, I don't know if you saw the article that came out from the Pacific content folks. I don't know if you saw that. I haven't the, read it yet. The 13 predictions for podcasting in 2019. And the best and brightest of the podcasting industry look into their crystal ball to tell what to expect in the year ahead. And you know what the number one one is? Uh, surprise me. Podcasts go mainstream, finally. Oh. <laughs> 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 And the, and the first uh, actual quote from from a significant uh, other in the space is, I believe in 2019 is a time for hockey stick habit growth and the diversification of the audience Ho- and the offering. Hockey stick. Hockey stick. We all love hockey sticks. Yeah, we know what the hockey stick looks like. That's right. <laughs> On stats. You think it's going to do like this from a Okay. Right. Who said that? Who said that? Uh, should I say? Sure. Okay. Uh, it's in the, the article. Head of, of the head of global studios for Spotify. Okay. Okay. All right. And the second one down, um, and I'll just read. Many of the 2 billion plus Android users worldwide would love listening to podcasts, but have yet to be introduced to them and aren't sure where to find them. As awareness and access to podcasting grows, we will see especially strong growth among Android users. Hmm. Can you guess who, who, who that quote is from? Nope. Uh, Zach from Google Podcasts. Hey, Zach. What are you guys doing? It's crickets over there. <laughs> right. If you're working on something, let's let's get busy. Right. Um, well, Blueberry customers don't have this problem of, of Android so, growth. No, I mean... I mean, I think it's great that he he's optimistic about the growth opportunity on on Android. I'm, I, I'm just not sure what the path is there for them. We, so. I, I, all I can say is, with or without Apple, we've been on. Our customers have been on a ever increasing global Android percentage share for at least four years, beyond yeah. what other oh. people. Yeah, I'm seeing that too on our platform. I mean, people are more and more listening on Android. That and it just makes sense because, you know, I think the number that I did some research on this weekend is, uh, or this past week is like 73 percent, 74, 73 percent of all mobile handsets in the world. Guess what? Are Android? Of course. Yeah. Right. Because you you can buy one for fifty bucks. Right. Yeah. So. And then about 24% are iOS on a global scale. Yep. But yet podcast consumption on iOS is five to one, five times greater than 
the 73% on Android. So, uh, we're not at five to one, though. We're not? Um, Blueberry customers or, are not five to one. You're, where are you at? You know, if I look at just Blueberry customers, uh, probably closer to... You know, down the fours? Uh, we're close to fours. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. That's good. Good progress. Yep. Not quite fours. Me. Yeah. I, I would say yeah, close to very, very close to four. And then the next quote here is podcast ad revenue in, in the U S will surpass 700 million. Okay. I, in I could, 2019. I could see that. Can you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, that was a quote by Hernan Lopez uh, of Wondery. Because what are we? What do they think we're at this year? Five hundred. Mm, I haven't seen a firm number on that. Yeah, it could go to seven. It's potential. Okay. Uh, the next quote is: "We will see continued consolidation in the space as companies compete we predicted, for scale to attract brand advertisers." We predicted this last year. It didn't happen. We predicted in 2018 consolidation. It didn't happen in 18. Right. Uh, Do you think it's going to happen in 19? Hmm. And guess who that quote's from? You can't. Tom Webster Edison. Yeah, we, we, we thought, well, we thought it was we were going to see consolidation, but I, I don't think so. I think there's a lot of independent platforms out there right now. There might be some of the smaller ones will be swallowed up. And it's possible that this IEB certification could kind of push that. Potentially. <clears throat> push that a little bit more. It could. Right. Uh, says here, content, podcast formats, and host talent will trend more towards mainstream content tastes as, as the industry podcasting still does not create enough content to attract the type of audience that would sit down at 8 PM, uh, and, and, and watch NBC or CBS every night. Oh, that comes from someone that's selling, uh, that's gotta be Wondery or somebody like that. Mm -mm. They made that quote. No. Stuart last, uh, COO of audio boom. Hmm. Everyone wants to sell a television show. Is that what that, I don't know. I, well, I think he, he you know, I can see his but, point. But, he's, but, but podcasts he's saying are, that the content need, needs to be more mainstream, but, but, but people don't realize that this, this medium is built on niche content. But people don't listen to podcasts at 8 PM. People listen to podcasts, you know, at the gym, in the right. car and transit. Uh, right. Right. You know, no, they, there's very few people listening to shows at, well, at 8 PM. Right. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. It's not, not a great, great analogy, but, uh, okay. And here's another one formats that appeal to wider audiences, such as reality and game shows oh. will become commonplace. No. Well, I think we've already moved in. I mean, all of podcasting mostly today is, is reality anyway. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. It's, but, but the thing is that you're, you're talking about a reality show. Is that what they're talking I, about? 
I think that's kind of well, you know, well because it says reality and game shows. Okay, right? I don't know how do you pod, how do you do a podcast with a game show? Live streaming, you could do a game show. But. Well, I mean, National Public Radio has some some game show type podcasts out there. Um, you know, yeah, it's I, where, don't, I don't listen to any NPR content. Right, so right, and that that was a quote from Corey Layton from uh, Wushka. Okay. So, and then let's see here. In, anybody else? Let's see here. Mike Dell says SoundCloud and FeedBurner will die in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> let's see here. Uh, is that uh, wishful thinking or is that something? That no, that's that's his prediction. Let's, <laughs> how about a chat room? Let's hear your predictions. We heard we heard we heard the predictions from the from the notables. Let's let's hear yours. Go ahead and lay it in there. If you're on YouTube, I'll look at that too. <laughs> uh, oh, and Todd, the the rise of short form podcasts on smart speakers. Okay, slow and steady on that. Okay, right, slow and steady, which means very little. <laughs> um, <laughs> Comp- competition is going to heat up for Apple. Did you know that? Well, it already is. I know. It right. already is. It's you know if it you know that we it's been trending that way for a couple of years. Right. Oh. And- <laughs> John <laughs> Wilkers. John in uh, in YouTube says Anchor will go bankrupt. I I think John that their runway is longer than that. Right. Um, right. I I'm I think. Well, unless they get another funding round now, we'll see what happens in mid-20. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I think their runway is longer than uh, 19. Right. I would think so, too. Yeah. yeah. I, I think they've got enough cash. And they'll probably get another round, so they'll make it to maybe 21, 22. So I, I'm scrolling through this <laughs> list. It says, um, oh, and number four on this list of topics of big trends is, will you pay for podcasts in 2019? Oh. Which is what we were just talking right, about, right? Right. Uh, and it and uh, see, we've got the exact quotes are: it says, uh, "More shows will be created solely for driving subscriptions or other paid content." A small segment of cast. shows. A small right. segment of shows will. But you right. know, but you know, here's where the private content is. We've got tons. I get I get ten a week private companies wanting to do private podcasting. So that's where private podcasting is right now, not for podcasters. I get 10, 10, 20 a week people contacting us saying, hey, can you do private podcasting? Can you set us up for private podcasting? So it's corporates are taking huge advantage of private podcasting. Well, I guess my question is, how long is it going to be before we start to see um, premium subscription podcasts on places like Apple. Do you think Apple is ever going to, to support that? That'd be cool if they did. I, I think it would be interesting too, because then it would still be RSS based. Um, because most of the, most of the paid content now isn't necessarily RSS based, right? You can't get it through a regular podcast feed, which would be, you know, which would, I think potentially open it up to a greater opportunity because right now paid content is usually done through proprietary platforms, right? Um, that isn't based on RSS. So 
And I think it's possible. It's just nobody's deployed anything at scale to see if it's going to, if, if it would work. Right. So a couple of comments from the chat room, Google podcast is going to pass Apple at some point. Well, that's not a 2019. That's a, Oh, that's a 2020 question. Or 21, 22, 23 to 4 25. 23, 24 to 5. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then someone At else. The says, pace that they're on right now, right. Yeah. And and then yeah. someone else says, I'm waiting for Apple to ban Anchor Podcast because of the mess they've made with listings. Well, <laughs> Apple's got to figure that out on their own. Yeah, that's, that's a complicated question. Um, I've had conversations with Apple about that topic. Um, yeah. They say that they're going to take some, they're going to make changes in that situation. But Eileen says Apple podcast listings were a mess long before Anchor came on the scene. Not really, because you had to have a show in the can. You had to know how to get it in there. You look at Daniel's data, um, you know, Anchor's contributed 50,000, 60,000 shows to there that are, you know, dead. So. They're they're picking up a lot of new shows, but oh, yeah. there's not a lot of content there though. Right. That's they the pick thing. up the key is they're putting they're picking up a lot of shows of they have nothing in them. Right. They're one, two, three episodes. That's it. And that's what free does. Free picks up you know right. tire you know, a lot of a lot of tire kickers, but yeah, not yeah. a lot of serious. So, you podcasts. know, they're they're a contender out there, so we'll just have to continue right. to watch. And you know, they've done some things right. and you know that's you know, the prediction is that uh well here's a prediction. Um, podcast hosts are going to be looking at their UIs and making it easier for podcasters to podcast right. on their platforms. There is a corollary benefit to this, sure. right? Sure. Which is how how the rest of us, uh, you know, adapt to clarity mm-hmm. on what podcasters want. Yep. Right. Yep. No doubt. Right. So, one of the other predictions that is in this list uh, and I'm sticking pretty high level here, but, um, Hollywood adaptations abound. Well, I hope they do. The more, the more podcasts they get, uh, signed for adaptation, the bigger this, it's just going to help the space. Right. More money, storytelling stuff. But, you know, I think we're, you know, like what we had on with, with the Casey last week. Yeah. Casey last week is a perfect example yeah. of it. It's, it's a podcast um, starting and then becoming other medium is, is it's been going on for years. There's really nothing yep. new about any of this. Mm-hmm. Really? I guess the, what's new is the success of the model. And, right. and having seen, you know, and, and Rob, you and I have, and, and some of these pl- players that made these comments have been in the space long enough now that I thought their answers would have been a little more detailed, but, um, right. You know, after having lived this from the beginning, like you have, it's, you know, it's slow and steady. I think right. Rob Walsh would say the same thing, slow and steady. Well, I mean, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the folks that they got to post comments in, in this article have not been around the medium very long. But they should be around long enough to have right. a, a, obtained some, right. s- yeah. I mean, some are, some have been around since the beginning, but. So Eileen says, I remember hearing about really old pod faded shows showing up in search results on iTunes since 2009. Of course, if their, if their show is still up, Apple does not take them down. You know, if they have uh, the media and the feed still online, they, they don't remove them and they're slow to remove shows that are pod faded. 
but if a feed goes down, they're pretty quick in taking those down. I've seen uh, feeds go down and shows be removed within 90 days of a feed going mm-hmm. offline. So from that perspective, uh, they're like a library. They don't want to take stuff down. Right. So I can understand their, their thought process there. If they took every pod faded show down, the, the Apple podcast directory would shrink to 150,000 shows. Right. That's true. Yeah. Cause I, I believe we're up well over what? 619 total feeds or 619,000 total feeds. I, I think is what we, I mean, is there an updated number, Todd, that well, you have on? I'm going to bring our number up. Wrong screen. So the other major prediction here this, that's coming out of this article is, is the experimentation in the industry pushes the edges of the medium, um, which I'm not really sure what that means. Say but, that again. Um, uh, so experimentation pushes the medium. Mm. So um, you I know. think we've been all experimenting for a while. Our number About is 15 years. Yeah. Our, our number's higher than Apple and it always has been. Um, six, we have 658,126 shows in our directory. There's probably some dupes in there, but. 658. 658, okay. 126 as of today. Do you have a growth rate on a monthly basis tracked? Uh, I don't have that handy, but Daniel was saying that they were seeing uh, three to 4,000 new shows a week coming into Apple. Okay. Recently. So again, a lot of one episode shows. <laughs> Let's say it right. nice say, saying it nicely. Right. Right. Or less than what? Six or so? Or, or yeah, less than three right. often. Yeah. Yeah, less than three. Yeah. So and the next prediction listed here is specialization and niches. So it talks about boutique production houses. Oh that that sounds like mainstream content, right? Um there's new companies forming that are going to focus on um, boutique productions. It's going to be focused on high quality fictional storytelling. I, you know, that's what I'm hearing in the medium right now. Um, it could be be stories for children, stories for adults. You know, at all all levels. I think a lot of the other big bigger media companies are going to start creating original productions more and more, not just repurposing. Um, their existing broadcast content, which is what most of them has do- have done over the last 15 years. Um, I think we're, we're going to see a lot more original content coming out of these larger media companies. And Todd, you could make the assertion that that's a little bit of a threat to the indie podcast market. Nah, so, it's not no. a threat. It's just going to be an addition to the indie market safe. Any, any market doesn't care about 90% of this stuff. So the indie market is... So, is creating content for them, their, their fans for their, with their buddy or girlfriend. It's the indie market is these big publishing houses are going to do the cool things that they're going to do. And we're going to have some big name splash shows, which helps us all raise, continue to raise the awareness of the medium. I don't, I'm not worried 
uh, in the least of uh, um, and the indie folks are are fine. Well, I think one thing that it does do, to be quite honest, is it it does push the the bar up. I mean, if these bigger media companies get it right and they start producing original content that uh, dominates the the charts, as they as as may be the case. Um, it does put a lot more pressure on indie producers to compete with that, right? So to keep audiences, um, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it, it it does put a lot more heat on the indie producers to you know essentially pull a rabbit out of their hat, right? So that's the part that worries me a little bit. Yeah, as we look to the future, I don't know. I don't see. I don't know. I, I we'll, we'll we'll have to see, but I I think I know where my bread is buttered, and uh, we're going right. to be worried. We're going to take care of the indies, indies first, um, as well as serving our enterprise clients. But it's this is an indie media medium, you know, so they can only produce so many shows. If we're going to get well, to seven hundred million dollars in advertising, we're going to need some big shows out there well i think if if the evolution of this is original for podcast content right not just repurposed major media content right which has been going on for a while if that's the direction that this is going then then in some ways you could make the case that the playing field is getting more uh i guess leveled right um to some degree um, it just, it, it is going to put more pressure on people to, to up their games when it comes to production of quality in, indie content. Right. Um, but I do worry a little bit about this, this high end fictional storytelling, uh, being something that's beyond most podcasters to be able to, to do. And it's one thing that I'm focused on this next year is trying to come up with, um, kind of, you know, some educational programs that can help indie podcasters be able to learn how to produce these storytelling programs in a way that's affordable and in a way that's understandable. Cause I know I was up in Vancouver at the at the Vancouver podcast festival and there was a, a lot of sessions that were being taught by uh, pretty major storytellers um, out of the CBC that were, were producing very high end kind of, uh, more reality-based, newsy, journalistic storytelling podcasts. Um, but when they got up on stage to teach people, you know, this is their process, this is how they do it, uh, was very intimidating to, to the audience of typical indie producers, right? It was like, I don't know that I've, I have the skills or the talent or the equipment to be able to compete with this, right? Especially when you look at the, the international markets uh, where these kind of, government funded kind of media like the CBC is so dominant, right? And you look at the BBC and they kind of dominate the, the media landscape in those countries. Um, and it, and it's really caused people in those countries to kind of shy away from being indie content creators because of the dominance of these, of these, these companies and, you know, being so significant in those countries. Right. And I think as we look at the international expansion, which is number nine here on this predictions list, and I, I know Voxness came out with a with a report this past week about the podcast, you know, uh, universe and looking at this medium from a global perspective. 
that that it is growing in other countries around the world faster than it's growing in the U.S. right now. Well, they're catching up, Rob. <laughs> well, no, exactly, right? It's, but, but going back I to I mean, your, it looks looks better when you're starting from a lower base, right? Yeah. It grows faster. It'll well, slow down. But Going yeah. back to your point about content creators and storytellers and being intimidated, I, I think really if you think about, okay, let's go back, uh, or I'm going to go back to day one when I went to Walmart and bought my 1295 LabTech headset and recorded my first show. I had never created any content. And to me, it was, I'd, you know, I've I've often said I was a blogger, but a poor blogger. And that's why I pay people to blog today because just better for someone else to do it. The, um, (laughs) and I'm, I'm probably a poor podcaster too, but you, here's the, the, if you, if you look at, what I did in episode one and where we are right now, um, it's just like light years ahead. But if someone is new, you have to do the time. You have to get down in the trenches. And this is where I think it's exciting for a lot of people that are deciding that they want to create content because this space allows them the opportunity to do so in an experimental way put something out, learn their trade, learn their voice, learn the process. And it, it, it's a, it'll help them morph into if they would, if they're going to do with their career. So I, I think from a independent new, if I was an 18, 19 year old and I'm a storyteller, I'm a very creative person. I would think that this medium where would be where I would want to cut my teeth at and, you know, in, in kind of figured out as you go. And so what the audience is small to begin with, but it's one of those things that that's what's the beauty of this space is we don't have to ask anyone permission. We don't have to sign no licenses, you know, screw the man, right? Well, this is, this is podcasting. <laughs> so right. the big companies can continue to come in. Um, and I think yep. if we, if we re, you know, this is what we should do next year. We should reassure and we should re, um, retell the stories of how this space got started and why it's important to have independent content creators come in and create media. Because look at the careers that have been created from people that started just like you and I did, strapped on a mic, told a story, and where that led them to. Even if someone is just doing a, a show on their own, and they're not reaching a big audience. There's a whole bunch of satisfaction from that in just itself. So the big corporations, in my opinion, they can do what they want to do. They can make the noise they want to make. But I really think that the independent podcasting space is alive. It's healthy. There's opportunities for new people. And if nothing else, just learning the trade of what they're trying to do is, to me, is because 20 years ago, we couldn't do this. Right. They can now, and yeah, it takes some investment, but if, you, if you've got a small group of people, people pitch in some money together, you can buy the gear and the mics and stuff necessary to get started, or, you know, you really can do it if you, you know, each just record into your own laptop and do, one, you know, one-enders or whatever they call those. There's, where there's a will, there's a way. Right. And what what role do do we have in as platforms in enabling the success of uh, indie podcasters? You know, that's, that's, that's the question that I've been 
thinking about a lot. I've been <clears throat> actually posing that question to the team at, uh, you know, at Vox Nest and Spreaker too. I mean, I, you know, Todd, we've talked about this. I've mentioned this and I know you've made a comment that you, you're not feeling it as much, but I talk to a lot of podcasters that are looking for help. They're looking for, you know, an, a leg up or, you know, some, some tips or some pathways to get support to grow their audience, right? They feel like they're not growing fast enough. And I think that that's an indication really of where this whole conversation comes from around people complaining about podcast discovery, right? Uh, is that I think that's code for them saying, I don't feel like I'm growing my show fast enough. But I think if you, you can do a case study in each and every individual show, you can go a deep dive and look at what are you doing? You right. know, are they spending, when I tell people that I invested 30 to 40 hours a week promoting my show in the first two to three years I was doing that, people look at me like you're kidding. Right. You know, but you know, I took it. Well, I had an, <laughs> I had a, you know, where I need, I know where I needed to be from point A to point B. So oftentimes, you know, we can look at each every individual podcaster out there that's has community, has growth issues, and we can probably break it down into is the content compelling? Is what are you doing to promote? You've got all these social op opportunities. Are you, right. are you going out into your community? Are you going to events where your community is? And there's just a, you have, if you want a show to grow, there's more you have to do than just talking into the microphone. Um, you know, why am I going to CES? You know, why am I spending $15,000 to fifteen to $20,000 to go to CES, put on a live show, you know, do a hundred uh, different interviews with five different uh, podcasters because I have to go get content that my audience is going to want to consume listen, watch, that's going to help bring in new listeners, that's going to feed the machine to keep the show growing, keep my sponsor happy. It's an, you know, that's all a big part of this whole thing is, you know, you know, I spent two years trying to tell podcasters, what are you doing besides doing your show? Are you, are you kind of contemplating a book? Are you reaching out to local media? Are you going to a radio station? Are you going to telling a television station? My one year anniversary of my show is up. They love to come do these like little one off stories. You get two minutes of airtime. They're in your house for 30 minutes. They shoot you in the studio, talk about your show, but you get two minutes of air. Are podcasters doing that? Are they reaching out? You know, I was, uh, if, if I thought there was a media opportunity, if I was someplace and I saw a guy who was a reporter, I was like, hey, I want to tell you about my podcast and I had television people come here. It's all about, you just can't just do this. You can't just talk. Right. So maybe our job, Rob, is to continue to tell people you've got to do more to build your show besides. And, well, content. and what that more is, I, I think is, is the key. I think we need to be purveyors of, you know, information about what that is, right? What are those things, uh, that actually work? Um, those are not easy questions to answer though. And, uh, and they're not show. And they're right. not easy if you don't have the time or the budget to do it too. Right. 
you know, but I sacrificed, I, you know, I sacrificed all of my family vacation, all, all of it. Right. We didn't have family, uh, family vacations for like five years. I sacrificed it all to build the show. Todd, do you think it was easier back then to build, no, build there, an audience? There was no, now? there was no social media. We had no Twitter. We didn't have Facebook. We had none of this. But a lot less competition, though, right? Uh, no, there was still plenty of shows. There are plenty. The space grew extraordinarily fast. There was plenty of shows. Plenty, there were a plenty. lot of shows. Yeah, plenty. Especially in our genre, which was right. Tech, tech it right. was slammed. Right. You know, so sure it wasn't as big as it is today, but we didn't have we didn't. Ha so when someone says I can't grow my show, I'm just like, <laughs> it's your fault. You know, and get out there and right. grind. Um, right. And then the last uh, couple of, uh, yeah. I I, some yeah. people just get mad at me, but I'm sorry, you know, and what are you willing to sacrifice to make your show right. grow? It's a hard, it, it, it's a hard truth, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough. The last couple of um, predictions in, in, in this article, which I think are linked, but they treat them differently is uh, uh is ai and podcast discovery so <laughs> when i say ai i'm talking about artificial intelligence uh -huh. so so you've got zach from google podcast chiming in on this one uh he, he goes as ai systems understand podcasts at a deeper level people will be able to discover and listen to a wider variety of podcasts including specific episodes of interest even from shows that might not otherwise be subscribed to. So he's thinking that, uh, you know, transcribing and getting a deeper understanding of what the content is at a deeper level and then being able to somehow recommend or refer or um, map to based on interests, right, is somehow going to magically solve the podcast discovery problem that I don't think you and I really think exists today. Does does uh, he know? Does he know something we don't? I think he's thinking technology is is going to provide a solution to the the podcast discovery myth that's out there. Um, so last time I checked, we haven't had anything yet past the Turing test. So right. so what AI really is at this point is a human machinable programming language that has been put in by a human which has its own uh, biases and um, conceptual ideas. So it, the code of AI is only as good as what a human is possible to put in. Uh, well, a AI and machine learning are very much the same, the same thing, yeah. right? Yeah. So the concept behind artificial intelligence is the ability for a computer to take information that it's learned right link it. from you mm -hmm. right and map it to areas of patterns of your interests that it sees in your usage patterns right right so that's the concept behind it here and and somehow that's going to solve this problem so just to give an example um you know you and I are very much involved in the podcasting space so what we would be able to get access to somehow I don't think we know what the interface looks like for this is is a regular recommendations list for shows that are talking about podcasting, right? 
Um, and I guess it depends on how deep that level of understanding that AI systems have of my specific interests in podcasting. Um, it would map to um, segments of audio that would be included in a variety of different shows, right? That's the idea behind what he's proposing here. Yeah. Uh, and, and the question that I have is that's not a, you know, history has proven that that is not necessarily a way that people like to discover content in podcasting. Well, call me doubtful. And when they deliver a AI that has a human programmable a logarithm uh, that tells me or suggests content to me, I will be all in it. <laughs> <laughs> right, I, you know. I mean, I think that the concept, is, you know, and this raises a lot of uh, rights issues too. Is is that at some point uh, these AI systems may grab audio segments and piece them together into one episode of your, you know, that's customized to you, right? Mm. It'll be um, mashed together into kind of like one episode of something that will have everything that you're interested in. In 2019, that's not happening. <laughs> no, it's not. And do I, do I really want that? Uh, and, yeah. and how is attribution given uh, to podcasts, given that potential use situation? Is that podcast going to be able to monetize segmented audio um, that's delivered to audiences? Yep. I, those are not issues that we've addressed yet. Nope. Hey, I, I right. want to get on one other topic here. Right. There was an article. Go. There was an article over on Podcast Business Journal talking about non-disclosure agreements. Non-disclosure agreements. So okay. it says there's a new player in the market providing another outlet to allow podcasters to connect with listeners. Most exciting podcast players, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Will all accept your show with minimal or standard disclosures, who reads all that fine print stuff anyway, other than us attorneys. What happens, however, when you're asked to sign a NDA, non-disclosure agreement, so who's being required to sign an NDA to be on a, a new, plat, new player? There's a new player requiring NDAs? Maybe it's a stealth startup. Hmm. That would so, be the only thing that I could think of, right? Why would you have? Why would you? Why? Why would you need to sign an NDA to be have your content syndicated onto a platform? So you know, he goes on to say, as he's a lawyer, and he says. Uh, he says, before we get there, however, I need to provide the standard attorney disclaimer. If you're asked to sign an agreement related to your podcast, please have it reviewed by a local attorney. Electric property laws and contract laws can vary state to state. So advice I may give a client in Florida will be different to advice you may get if you live in another state. So, Which, uh, yeah, so where are you finding this? This is on Podcast Business Journal. Um, it's, it's an article that's linked. They don't refer to who that player is. Well, because they're under NDA, right? Well, he's not under NDA. He's a lawyer, but maybe he, maybe he isn't. Maybe he got an NDA and he can't say where he got the NDA. I I don't know, but you know, it's. I wish he would have said who the player was. But you know, here's something that's interesting about this. 
He says, why, why might an NDA be used in the podcasting community? He says, that's a question I've been asking myself since I've heard about the use of an NDA by this new player. One, lo oh, he says he heard about it, so maybe he hasn't read it. One logical explanation may relate to the use of metrics, a download, subscribers, sponsorship. In that context, the NDA may prevent a podcaster from describing these metrics to promote their show, saying, I get X downloads and such and such on such and such player. It's interesting that he says player. Regardless, before you sign the NDA, please ensure you read it and understand it. If you need help understanding, please reach out again. So, and you know, I, I'm very uh, hesitant to sign NDAs. There's certain things you have to sign an NDA for and to get pre-access to a site or insider knowledge on how a relationship, you know, there's, different reasons for, and you know, you and I are both under varying NDAs with different groups. Um, yeah. So, but it's very odd that a podcaster, any podcasters listening, having to sign NDAs that, well, you probably can't go on the record and say you signed the NDA. Can you, can you say you signed an NDA with someone publicly? Is that, that's probably not an NDA. You have to read the NDA, make sure you can talk about the NDA. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I think it depends on the NDA. Yeah, I right? think so too. If I, the if the NDA, if you can say, yeah, I signed an NDA with X, but you don't talk about the NDA. Well, if the purpose of the NDA <laughs> is to protect what that company or who that company is because they're in stealth mode, right? Then then, then you then can't. It, then, then you can't. But if they're but, not in stealth mode and you're having to sign an NDA, well, then why would anybody need an NDA if they're not in stealth mode? <laughs> right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, you can probably say that, oh, I signed an NDA this week, but you can't say who you did, right, with, right? So, yeah, uh, right. But that's not going to help anybody. Um, so I guess the bigger question is here is. Oh, is, John. Is, oh, go ahead. John in YouTube chat says it's Pandora. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> we all have ourselves under NDA with Pandora. So, so. Pandora is okay. making podcasters sign NDAs. Yeah. And I don't believe that Pandora said that we can't say that we signed on uh, an NDA. Right. I've said we've, we've signed an right. NDA with right. Pandora. Right. So Pandora is making podcasters sign in. That's a little weird. Some businesses, this is kind of a standard business practice. How, how do you scale that? Uh, well, how do you scale that to tens of thousands of podcasts? I don't. I don't think you, you can unless you automate it. I suppose you can. Mm -hmm. There are platforms that allow you to automate um, digital signings. Huh. So, well, I don't know, you know, necessarily why you necessarily would, unless you're trying to protect, you know, it's to me something. that it's really, it's really uh, makes me go. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else getting an NDA from Pandora? Did you, did you ask him why we have to sign an NDA as a podcaster? I understand companies. That's a given. 
but individual podcasters? Why is it necessary? Why can't there just be a terms of service agreement, which is more standard? Well, hmm. I think it's safe to say that P Pandora is going to be a unique experience for the podcasting space. That's all I'll say, though. <laughs> well, okay. I'm going to be in D.C. I'm going to have to go see him again. At some right. point in February, probably. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, is there anything else that, uh, yeah, I, I know we're going a little long today. Yeah, it's okay. Um, here's the dealio. Um, so, after next weekend, well, I'll, I'll do my best to squeeze a show out. Um I'm going to be, it's going to be rough for me to be able to do a show. I don't think I'll be able to do one the 5th or the 12th. Um, so we might be off for two weeks. Um, just because of my being in Vegas and the 5th I'm setting up, uh, getting the, the live studio ready. And then the 12th, uh, I'm, I'm actually uh, airborne. So maybe we can figure out Something around do this. Something like on Sunday or something or yeah. live on Spreaker or something? Yeah, or? we'll have to do something. We'll, we'll work the schedule to, to figure it out. It might be uh, an off, but, you know, I get, I'm home twenty less than 24 hours, Rob, and I turn around and leave uh, to go to the East Coast. So I'll be available on those weekends following that, but I'm going to be right. in hotels. So really, through February 16th, we're going to be audio only from here on out. <laughs> no no video until because I'm going to be my airline ticket doesn't bring me home to the 16th of February um, so uh, we'll be audio only for about a month which is okay well the the 19th of January is PodCon oh so that totally screws you for that weekend so yeah we'll have right. to try to do something in between um and maybe we can, because uh, I'm going to be on your time zone on Saturday the 5th, I'll be in Vegas. So maybe we can knock a show out on the 5th. Um, that I, Well, again. Yeah. Okay, you're going to be at CES on the 5th, right? Well, I, I, I fly in Friday night and then uh, I, I go right to work on the morning of the 5th. But again, the 12th, 13th is kind of, I might be able, yeah, the 12th and 13th, it's just those two weekends, well, We'll figure it out. We'll try to get a show in someplace somehow because there's going to be too much going on to be gone that long. I mean, I mean, we, we could possibly do it during the week or something. Yeah, potentially. Um, and if nothing else, get uh, we'll get our schedules synced up. But the whole really from the 5th to the 12th, I'm 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 a crushed bug. Um, it's uh, you know, I, I, I do my best to keep up with email. You know, that's. Right, it's bad enough just to keep it up with email that that time frame, but we should be able to do a show on the fifth. Um, let's plan on doing one on the fifth for sure, and then see yeah. what is, and then I'll try to do uh, squeeze an hour out on the twenty ninth. Um, I'll let you know how things are going midweek. 
<laughs> oh, okay. So don't oh, on, you, on Saturday the 29th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let you know what's going on with baby situation. So don't you guys love it how we just kind of do a, a planning meeting right here? At the end right, of the right, show? right on the right on the live show. <laughs> it, you know, if you're a regular listener to this show, it impacts you too. That's so. right. That's right. Yeah. So we might as well talk about it openly. Yeah. So, so. Uh, anyway, everyone, thanks so much for being here. We definitely yep. appreciate everyone's uh, commentary. And uh, thank you for the, all the live comments today. It was great. Rick, Mike, uh, who else was in here? Mark was in here. Bob, uh, John, Eileen. Um, those of you that, uh, can, if I miss someone, uh, uh, Beauty Bubble, whoever that might be, uh, Dave Spit Life. Thanks, folks, for hanging with us here uh, today uh, on the live show. But uh, uh, hey, and also we got a donation ten dollar donation rob so i don't have the name in front of me but uh, well well and i think we got got an email with somebody asking that they wanted to sponsor our show well i didn't see that you, you i thought you got copied on that email i think you did um i may have missed it you'll have to report oh. it to me who was it okay. Any, anybody uh of import uh i have to go back and look hang on there oh i i must have Wow. Wants to sponsor this show. Yeah. Yeah. Get your checkbook out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Well, wait a minute here. Let's see. Who, yeah. I, or was yeah. it someone that just wants to post on newmediashow.com? I get a lot of those. Hey, can we post on newmediashow.com? I say, yep, 3,000. Oh, it's a, it, I looked like it was a, Kind of like a newer podcast company that was wanting to get some exposure. Oh, okay. Well, we're happy to give exposure if you want to buy some advertising too, or if you want to come on the show. I don't know if it's, we should be actually charging a, a podcast hosting company for advertising. They can just come on the show and tell us about themselves. Well, I don't think they're a hosting company. I think they're they're providing some other corollary service oh, services. To the, All right, to the medium, oh, which there are. Many of those starting to pop up too, whether it be, um, yeah, I don't know that we've talked about the company called Chartable, but oh, they're yeah. actually a aggregating podcast metrics. Yeah, that's a whole discussion itself. Right. So, yeah, we'll send that back over to me, Rob, and we'll take a look at it. But uh, we haven't really contemplated doing sponsorship on the show because we, we really kind of, just, <laughs> just be forewarned, we're equal opportunity bashers. So, oh, right. Well... <laughs> Yeah, I sometimes feel a little uncomfortable with that role in the medium, though. But but it's but it's definitely something. It's it, you know it's brutal honesty, right? And in, and is. and we always are. Well, if we're talking about someone, we're always welcoming them. They can come on and give their opinion too. We're we're open to having people come on and be guests and uh, telling us how we're wrong. But, <laughs> yeah, I, true. If we're wrong, we're wrong. We're we're just human, so. That actually doesn't happen very often. No, actually. people don't want to come on and defend at all. So maybe they just don't want to listen. Who knows? All right. We are way long. Everyone, thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning right. in. I'm Todd at Blueberry.com or at Geek News on Twitter. My Roomba just started in the background, so it's a good time to quit. Rob, how about you? Uh, Rob at uh, VoxNest.com. If you want to use that email address, I, I have way too many email addresses. So and robgreenlee.com. Oh, go ahead, Todd. I'm sorry for stepping on you. So, no, it's okay. Squash me all you want. Yeah. So it's <laughs> at Rob Greenlee. 
<laughs> Rob at Spreaker.com. So and, uh, no, and um, and and I have uh, another show that I do called Spreaker Live Show at SpreakerLiveShow.com. There you go. And uh, talking over the Roomba here, um, everyone have a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Hanukkah, whatever, or if you don't celebrate, uh, enjoy time with the family on your off time, whatever it may be. Yeah, and, uh, have a terrific holiday. Yeah. So I, I tell my audience this as well. Um, we've got this great thing called Uber and Lyft now. And if you're in an area that's supported by it and you're out having a little holiday cheer, please use Uber or Lyft to get home. We want you back with us after the holidays, safe and sound. And if you're driving, please be careful out there. And, and, uh, but anyway, we'll be back with you hopefully next week, maybe me with baby in hand, uh, to, uh, to celebrate that. And of course the coming new year, everyone, thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. Take care. Okay. Take care, everybody. Aloha. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.